This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Hello, hello. Hi, I'm trying to see if it doesn't look like my camera is on. Can you hear me? I can hear you totally fine. We don't use the okay. for anything, so that's all right. Okay. Um, and then, well, I also, I have a, I have headphones, but they're not plugged in because the last time I tried to do this with somebody, I tried to use headphones and we spent like 15 minutes trying to get the audio. You actually, you're totally fine. I, I go through <laughs> everything anyways, so. Okay. So you are wonderful. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you for hanging out with me this morning on TPQ20. We always like to start things off by saying, you know, we know who you are, but our audience may be new to you. So if you were to kind of give that bio that isn't on your brand new book, (laughs) who would you say you are? Uh, Well, that, yeah, I've listened to a lot of your episodes, so I knew you were going to ask this, but it's still (laughs) always a difficult question to answer. Um, So I definitely define myself as a writer at this point, although I don't know that I always felt that way. Um, I was always a big reader growing up. And I went to graduate school for writing, but it was kind of just like, I just kind of fell into that almost. Like I wasn't really sure um, if I, if that was what I wanted to do, but I got like a professional writing degree from um, USC with a fiction major, but I actually took a lot of poetry classes while I was there um, with a poet named Amy Gersler. I don't know if you're familiar with her at all, but she's a great poet and she was a great teacher. So I took her class like as many times as I could. And that was when I first started writing um, poetry. And after grad school, I did try to like try to become a writer for a while. Like I was in Los Angeles. I even tried to do screenplays. I was mostly prose. Although actually I did some verse novels, but nothing really worked out. And then another way that I actually define myself um, is as a sex worker. Because so what happened while I was in Los Angeles was I started working at a BDSM dungeon, like a professional dungeon. Or a profession, I was a, prof- a commercial dungeon. I was like, call myself, you know, a professional submissive and then a professional bitch. <laughs> so it's Commer- different than like commercial doing- dungeon sounds so much. Yeah, better. commercial dungeon. <laughs> so it's not like just where you go for a party. It's like, you know, you got to pay to get in there. It's a job. So the reason that I say that as being so important is because it's something that I mentioned in my writing a lot. Um, like it's a big part of my identity as a writer it's actually not in the poetry book which I have published which you guys were so kind to review um, every poem is my potion is my first poetry book and does not explicitly mention sex work but I think if you know that about me you can kind of see the like sadomasochistic undertones but almost everything I write now does mention it so it's important to me but so going back to what I was saying so for a long time while I was working there I stopped writing. Like I just got really caught up in this world and living my life. Um, I was doing other jobs too. It's not, it's not a glamorous thing where you can really make a living doing it the way it might be perceived in movies. So, you know, I always had to do other jobs as tutor and editor, things like that. But um, I stopped writing for a long time. And then eventually it came back to me, this desire to write. 
And then the pandemic hit like around the time this was all happening. <laughs> so, but so I was really trying to define myself as a writer again. And I was trying to publish a memoir about working at the dungeon. And that was where I really encountered a lot of like prejudice against sex workers. So that's why it's important for me to say that it's part of my identity because there's so much prejudice against it in the literary world too. Like, especially, you know, among big publishers and like, there's, they only want certain kind of narratives. Like it's okay if you did sex work, like to support yourself or support a child, but it's not really okay if you did it just because you wanted to, you know, or to have sexual freedom or whatever it was that I was trying. So, so that was, so that's a big part of my identity that ties in with my writing. And then as far as the poetry goes, I started writing a lot more poetry again, like during the pandemic and during this time I was trying to sell the books about sex work. So the poetry is kind of like a release. So like I write a lot about sex work and then also other things. I'm still working as an editor, but I don't really consider that like a, like a copy editor, a proofreader, but I don't really consider that my identity. Um, so I would say like writer of poetry and prose, all kinds of writing, fiction, nonfiction, poetry, everything. Lots focused on magical realism, always interested in folklore and then horror. I'm starting to explore horror and that dark side and then also sex work. Yeah. So that's would be me in a nutshell, I guess. <laughs> it gives us plenty to talk about. Let's talk about yes. the, uh, the coming to writing or not. So you said that you weren't really sure, you know, when you went back to school that you wanted to even really pursue writing was it just you loved writing so did you kind of come to writing how I guess what was that catalyst finally what was the switch that said okay I want to be a writer what yeah I mean it wasn't so much that I didn't want to be a writer I think is that like I didn't have anything to write about like I think I kind of got like a slow start in life like I'm not a very social person Right. And I kind of lived in my head a lot growing up. Um, so like, I didn't have a whole lot of real life experience to draw from. And I was very much like, I've always very much gone into directions. Like there's a part of me that really wants to, um, you know, follow the societal expectations and especially my parents' expectations and like be safe and do the right thing. And there's the other part of me that just is like a little more wild and wants to like go do the sex work and like live outside of society and that, and also be a writer, be an artist, all these things. So they're kind of warring against each other. And I think the like safe part was winning for a really long time. <laughs> so, <laughs> Wait so a second. You mean your career choices have not always been the safe choices? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, but when they were like, when I was first starting out and I didn't really know, like I knew I, I, I just, I, I just hadn't had a lot of experience. Like I think, a lot of life experience to write about. So I didn't really know what to write about. So that was part of why I didn't really feel like being a writer. And I think also like I had, my parents had a lot, lot, lot of influence on me growing up. Like I had some kind of tragedies in my early childhood and like a lot of like desire to please my parents or not upset my parents. So I think I had a hard time like really finding my own voice. Like in some ways I've always felt that I had a very strong writer's voice and that I never had to sit down and think, what is my voice? I don't know what to write. Like this, on the sentence level, I do have a very strong voice, but in terms of like really being unafraid to write about myself, I think it took a really long time to do that because I just wanted to be this person that I'd always been kind of pretending to be to please my parents and society and whatever. So it just, it just didn't really feel authentic or right. And like, I did try to be a writer, but just, it, I don't know. It just felt, it didn't feel as urgent. I don't think. So then 
after I finally, you know, started working at the dungeon and I made a lot of friends there and had a magic relationship, all these things just lived this whole life. And then a lot of it didn't really end up going well. And I ended up like going through a lot of disappointments and heartbreak. And at that was the point when I really had things that I wanted to write about. And it wasn't even necessarily that I wanted to write about my personal experience at first. Like the first thing that came back to me was a novel that kind of dealt with similar themes, but I think that was that urgency of like, I have all this stuff to express and I don't feel like anybody's listening to me in my real life, or I don't feel like I can express it to people unless I can put it in words somehow, like written words. So I think that's where it came back, but it took a really long time. Well, and it's interesting, definitely like that idea of needing the life experiences in order to kind of get to that next step is really important. Do you feel like that you're, I mean, I guess it sounds like the experiences for you, you know, in once you started into the dungeon work, kind of that's where, you know, that maybe was it, did you feel that, that maybe your more creative side came forward? Plus maybe there was also this challenge to want to, um, to want to get the stories out there so people would know that, you know, the world isn't as, as awful or maybe that it is. Uh, I mean, what was the kind of the push there? Did you feel like that maybe, that maybe your creative passions for, for putting things to. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But it took a long time because the first couple of years I was there, I was just like enjoying being there. And it wasn't all like sexual stuff or even work stuff. It was actually just like the first time I made a huge group of female friends because there was a really supportive community there of women and just stuff like that too. Um, We meet most of our friends. I mean, we genuinely meet most of our friends through our workplace. So yeah. Having having a group of people around you is definitely, I mean, what a big confidence booster at that point then to actually. Yeah. And like at a place of like anytime there can be a lot of competition in the sex work world, but anytime you can get a lot of women together who are in that world, it can be very special because it's already like we already know a big secret about each other. and We're already being really vulnerable with each other. So it like leads to really a lot of intimacy. Um, but I'm trying to go back to your question, which was about the creativity. Um, so, so it did take a couple of years because at first it was kind of just enjoying myself. And I think also taking a break because I'd been trying to write things that I, you know, that I thought would sell. Like I was writing screenplays and I was writing like young adult books and I always loved young adult, but then it was like that horrible time when the hunger games was making like a million dollars and everything was so commercialized. Like I had an agent and they just wanted everything to be so commercial. And it was, it was a horrible time. So like I had been trying to write, you know, so I needed a break. Like when I wasn't writing anything to come back to wanting to write what I really wanted to write. And I'd also taken a break from really like following the publishing world. So I think that was important too, because Ooh, I know from the last couple of years that if you get too involved in that world and then knowing what sells and what doesn't sell, it can totally Oh, destroy your creative spirit <laughs> so. definitely the uh the world of i think i think poetry twitter has really changed uh the game as far as like whether or not a lot of people are up for it it's, yeah it's interesting how like you know a social media tool that's meant for conversation and and hopeful promotion of of you know good good works can also lead people to be like i don't want to do this anymore it's not the right crowd for me Yep. Yeah. You have to find your people. <laughs> you really do. And I mean, and so, so with your work, since you do, since you do write in, in various genres, is there one that kind of captures your heart more than others? Well, you're not going to like the answer because I think oh, the no. answer is because <laughs> this is a poetry question. <laughs> number one, <laughs> the number one answer for me would probably be fiction just because like I was such a huge reader as a kid and I got really lost in stories and also read 
like a lot of like folk tales and fairy tales. So it's just that kind of idea of the story, I think. But poetry captures a different part of my heart in that like, like for me, poetry is purely like non-commercial. Like it's not something I'm writing thinking I'm gonna sell it or make money off it or that it's really gonna help my brand or whatever. Like I'm starts out being just for me. So that's very special in a different way. Um, so definitely fiction and poetry would be the two. Like poetry is more, you know, like a pure emotional experience for me. And then fiction, because it's longer and ha- and can sometimes have more layers to it. Like sometimes I can get more at describing an experience in like a little differently than I would in a poem. So those two and nonfiction, it's funny because I was trying to write a lot of it because I was trying to write a memoir and I do like it, but I don't, I don't know that it's my strength. I think if I am allowed to like be a little more imaginative, I sometimes get more at the truth. <laughs> that's, that I th- I, but I think that's fair. You can kind of get out of your own, you know, you get out of your own way a little bit more sometimes in those situations. And I, I wanted to come back to something you did say earlier about magic, your love for magical realism. Yes. Uh, so I, I definitely, uh, I, I, that is the world that I absolutely love as well. Uh, Carlos Fuentes' Aura is my all-time favorite piece of magical realism. Uh, just a brilliant, like it's this little ninety-page novella that's uh, that's double-sided, one side in English and one side in Spanish. It's one of the most beautiful stories that I've ever read. What are uh, what are some of your favorite magical realism pieces? Well, I think I first encountered it through a young adult author because I I, I loved young adult who was um, Francesca Leah Bach. I don't know if you know her. Yeah. And now, well, I think because you teach high school, right? Or you uh, did? I taught, yeah, I taught high school for 12 years and middle school for the last, uh, the last. Uh, okay. Well, middle school, even, I think I, I first encountered her in middle school. So you might want to check her out, but um, she writes like these, like kind of like modern fairy tales and their books, their stories, but they're very, very image based. They're almost like poetry. And in fact, some of her books really are prose poetry and she writes poetry too, but it's like, most of it is based for a young adult audience and almost all of her books about are about Los Angeles and they okay. create like it's it's like it's based in the real world in Los Angeles but there's always kind of this magic that's arising out of the city like I think one thing that I wrote I, about her I described it as like there's mermaids on Venice Beach and you don't know if it's coyotes or demons in Laurel Canyon like that's like the like that. that's awesome. yeah yeah it's like is it a mer is this a merman or a homeless boy like that's the vibe like you never quite know you know and she's just a beautiful writer but then because of her I started looking into magical realism more so I've discovered like Isabel Allende and Sandra Cisneros does some and some of her stuff I think not in like her most famous house on Mango Street which is totally realism but some of her short stories in her book has some of that vibe so I that a lot and who else is I going to say? Oh, Alice Hoffman. I love yes. Alice Hoffman. Um, she's been always an old favorite of mine. Lots more, but I'm kind of blanking yeah. right but no that's that's all right so then when it comes to your process we'll head back to the, like a process of writing are you somebody who can sit down and do a you know do a few hours of, of actual just grind work of writing or are you somebody who loves your phone notes app or <laughs> well i don't i don't actually know how to use the phone <laughs> notes app, which is terrible <laughs> but i text myself sometimes nice. so i used to be i used to not be like that like i used to keep everything in my head and wait to write it down but the older i get the more i realize that i I will forget something. Yeah. So I am definitely the kind of person whose things will come to me when I'm in the shower or when I'm jogging is the 
two times. So I generally will try to write, if something comes, I will write it down as soon as I possibly can. Um, ideally, I probably would be the kind of person who would just write for several hours and like, you know, carve out at that time. And in fact, I did that somewhat when I was writing my novel, but based on like the amount of other work that I have to do to pay the bills, that's like usually not feasible. So yeah, it is. Writing doesn't pay all the bills. No, not yet. (laughs) Um, Buy my book, buy my novel when it comes out next year. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so like I do have to fit it in. And I have learned that for, but I have learned, so for not for fiction and nonfiction, I can generally like, if I have a spark of an idea, I can write it down or write down whatever sentence came to me and come back to it later. But with poetry, it is a little more iffy. Like if I have an idea for a poem, Oftentimes, if I don't write it that day, I lose it. And I have lost poems that way because it's just like this the urge coming and it sucks when I lose it. So I try to carve out the space if I can, but sometimes I can't because that's the world that we live in. <laughs> it sucks. But yeah, that's the way it is. But do you think your copy edit as a as a copy editor and as an editor, do you think that your like the editing does that does that kind of creep in for you as fun as kind of like the no, I, I try to keep it really separate. It's not, honestly, at this point, it's not the ideal job for me to be doing anymore, but I've been doing it so long and I have some clients who I love and some books that I love. And like, when I get a book that I love, I'm like really excited about it. But in general, it's not ideal because it uses the same part of my brain that I, like, well, because first of all, it's staring at the computer, you know, save as my work. And it uses the same part of my brain that I use when I edit my work. So I feel like it's impinging, but I've just, I've been doing it so long that it's like, it's not my only job, but it's like, it's you know it's not something I would give up because I know I have a rapport with people I know it's like the easy work but I do think that when I was not writing at all for so long and I was still doing the copy editing at that time even as I was working at the dungeon because dungeon does not pay all the bills despite what you might think but I think that doing just like the editing and the proofreading for so long it did like I had I turned off my own creativity for so long that then when it came back, it like came back stronger. It came back really bursting to get my own voice out. So in a weird way, it was helpful. And it's, it still happens sometimes. Like if I edit too long and I'm not writing my own stuff, then I like just get such an urge to write my own stuff, which is frustrating, but also good because I'm the kind of person who like if I if I was happy, like if I had a, a job I loved and a romantic partner I love, neither of which I have right now, and like all this stuff was perfect for me, then I might not want to write, you know? So I'm one of those like cliched, like I write the negative emotions or the things that I feel are trapped inside. So in a way it's helping me. I hope it doesn't stay that way forever, but it's helping me to not have an ideal well, life situation. In a way, in a way <laughs> it does kind of give you a break from, you know, it gives you that yes. break. And, and by yes. the time you get back to writing, there's probably a lot more in you than you even realize at this point. Yep. Yeah, that's the other thing I do realize about the writing process is because sometimes, like, I'm like, I don't have an idea. I, I can't write right now. I don't know. But if you just force yourself to sit down and just start writing for 15 minutes, like, sometimes there's a lot more there than you think there is. Yeah. But you have to force yourself to sit down and do it. So with every poem, a potion, every song, a spell, I've been loving the question that they have been talking to a lot of people about when is poem number one written versus the uh, the final <laughs> So how long was the process from? So this was a very unusual process and it was only because of the pandemic. I think I would never write a book this way again, Um, but it took me like two and a half years to write this book. So I was like writing it between other things. So it started out because I was writing, trying to write this memoir about working at a dungeon. And in the memoir, I was like comparing my experience a lot to fairy tales and folk tales. 
And also because it was the pandemic, I started listening to a lot of online lectures because all this stuff was online suddenly about fairy tales and folklore. So I was thinking about them all the time. Like they were in my head. And then as someone I was working with on the memoir was like, you have to explain more. You have to explain what you mean by like an old fairy tale or like the old version. And I was kind of annoyed. I was like, doesn't everybody know? Like, doesn't everybody know that in the original Little Mermaid, you know, she walked on, it felt like walking on knives and she died at the end. But I guess not everybody no, does. But don't. I like to... Disney units and things like that. <laughs> yeah. They do not know the original versions. Yeah. I like to think that some people do though, or I like to think that the people who are intrigued will then go and look it up. Yeah. But anyway, so out of that frustration of like, of everything that was not going right with the memoirs when I started writing these poems. So I just started writing them for myself, but I did conceive of it as a book right away. I was like, oh, I could have all these little sections like about the different parts of fairy tale. Like that came right away. I was like, oh, I could have a section for like creature transformations and a section about like, gardens and a section about castles so that came right away but then I was just working on it like basically whenever I was frustrated with whatever else I was writing and because it was a pandemic so you know before pandemic I would have taken out this frustration by like going out somewhere or hanging out with somebody I couldn't do any of that so whenever I was frustrated I would just like write a poem so that was like maybe I got through like a quarter of the book that way but then I got things got busy and I kind of had to keep setting it apart setting it aside and like at some points I wasn't even sure if I was going to finish it but I do think that like once you get to a certain point at something you should try to finish it because it's just not good to like have a lot of unfinished stuff you know it's not good mentally it's like mental baggage so I would just keep coming back to it you know here and there and I had I'd actually written the last poems in it like pretty early like they just like came to me so I knew that that was where I was going with it. So I just kind of had to fill in the pieces and I had no, like whenever I thought, oh, it'd be cool to do this fairy tale or it's folk tale, so I would write like notes. Like I said, like I, I make myself write down every idea I had because I know otherwise I'll forget it. So I had all these notes. So whenever I had a little time, I would come back and write a poem. So it ended up being like two and a half years to go from the very first poem I wrote, which I think was the first poem in the book. Like, I, cause I was just like, I'm gonna do this like a book. I don't know if it's ever gonna get published, but that's what I'm gonna do. And then to the last, because once I got a publisher, she asked me to add some. She had some great ideas for adding some to tie things together. So to that last one I wrote for her, it was like two and a half years process. That's so. cool. I like I like the fact that the editor actually jumped in with with an idea of what you could add to make it to make yeah. it more complete. In poetry collections, you don't often hear about, you know, what is the editor's role when it comes to adding adding to a you know almost a storyline. Yeah, well, I mean, this is an un kind of unusual for a poetry book because it is almost like little stories. But yeah, oh, she absolutely. had a, she had a great idea. Like, because I had a couple poems about this one fairy tale, and in the first one, I mentioned that like the number seven is important in the fairy tale, and she she said like, why don't you make it seven poems? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that is a good idea. So I, that helped me to develop it a lot more. And she also had really great editorial comments. I was so lucky awesome. to end up with her. So that's awesome. So, yeah. As we kind of move toward the end here, who are the poets out there right now that are really like, or I should say, who are the writers out there right now, pro <laughs> poetry or otherwise, who are really exciting to you? Who are you reading these days and who are you kind of following? <laughs> well, I knew you were going to ask this question and I, I have to admit I prepared poetry because <laughs> I thought that, you know, because I, I could, if we were going to do like all types of writers, I would probably 
it could take too long. So what I was really going to say was Kristen Garth, because you've had her on the show, and she writes a lot about um, sex work too and BDSM, both of which I write about. And she was one of the first people that I found on Twitter, like when I started joining Twitter and I saw all the poetry she was publishing. And I don't think I would have like started as much on this. It was a little bit before the pandemic, but I don't know if I would have thought so much about, about writing poetry if I hadn't found her. So she's definitely very important. And then like, I actually, I brought some books up here because I didn't want to forget like who I was going to say. So one is um, Courtney LeBlanc. Oh, you can't see it because yes. I got oh, on camera. I was going to just show you. LeBlanc is one of is absolutely <laughs> one of our favorites over here at TPQ. So we love Courtney so much. Yeah, and then also her press, like all the books that I've read through her press and the poets that she publishes are really great. So that's one. And then another one is um, Lynn Schmidt. Yep. Because like I, aside from those classes I took in grad school, like I don't really have a lot of training in poetry or don't think of myself as like you know the most technical or like literary poet, but they're Lynn and Courtney write like really straightforward poetry. And that's not the only in a in like a beautiful way, but like you know what the poem is about. It's oh, not, yeah. it's it's not okay. Like you know what they're writing about. I don't mean straightforward that off is like a I don't mean that in a bad way at all. Like it's oh, no. full of beautiful imagery. I but it's sexy time is an important book from Lynn. Yeah. It is, it is so straightforward. It, you know, it it really does say exactly what they want to say about, you know, moving sexuality into a more comfortable place and making sure that, you know, talking about that idea that sexuality is important, but you have to be okay with it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I love the message too, but like, like, it's like you, you feel like you understand the poet's message. So I love that too. And I do also love some more, you know, opaque, I guess, be more poetry. Like, I won't not read it, even if I feel like I need to read it several times or, like, I'm still not quite sure what the poet intended. I like that kind of poetry, too, um, but I like a mix. And I think that people like Lynn, especially, like, for for a type of people say, oh, I can't read poetry. That doesn't make sense to me. Like, they should pick that up, you know? Hey, I hope they do. Yeah, I mean, we published it, so everybody should run out there and buy copies <laughs> <of those> books. <laughs> yes, for sure. And who else was I going to say? Because I had a bunch more and I had books. I don't, I'm not going to show you all the books now because you don't have the, you can't see my screen, but I'm trying to think if there's anybody else I really wanted to say. Um, I recently read Jason Crawford's book, The Unicorn Kids. That was a really, really good book. Yes, that was, and it's kind of amazing because like I come from a totally, you know, different like demographic and identity and background than that poet does, but I could empathize so much with so much of it. So that's kind of like showing how powerful poetry can be in that way. Well, and then where can we uh, find your work? And then uh, where can we go in the future to find your <laughs> novel? Yeah. So I would say the best place to follow me is on Twitter because that's where I'm the most active in updating everything. Like I'm not as active. I'm not doing a good job with my website right now because I'm terrible <laughs> with websites. Like I don't even have the link to my poetry book up there. I really need to put it up at some point, but I kept hoping like that eventually I was going to, you know, make enough money that I could just hire somebody to make a better website for me. So if anybody's listening to this, <laughs> um, but my, so my Twitter is at SC underscore parent. And I will like always, you know, put links and like, like shout a thousand times about whatever I have going on. So that's the best place. But my book that's out now, every promo potion, you can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, 
bookshop. You can even get it at a Target website. Like, like my publisher has done a really cool job of making it available, like lots of places. It's in a lot of lo- local bookshops. And I heard that it's going to be in a Barnes and Noble somewhere. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, if you just Google it, it should come up. And then all my other books are going to be on there. I don't have any poetry books announced yet. But I am working on one. I have no idea when I'll be done and when it will come up. But I want to do one that that deals explicitly with my like sex work experience and stuff like that. And I started writing more poems that deal explicitly with that. So that's what that was going to be. I think I have a small chapbook, like a prose chapbook, coming out in December, which is similar to the poetry book. So if you if you follow on Twitter, of course, I will like tweet about that when it happens but it's also about you know fairy tales and stuff and then my novel is coming out next may so quite a while still but i'll be busy busy busy. yes (laughs) (laughs) awesome well thank you so much for hanging out on tpq 20 today it was an absolute pleasure to talk with you well thank you for having me of course and we look forward to sending everybody your direction uh so um yeah thank you so much and have a good rest of the day you too thank you Bye. Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.